Brothers and sisters in Christ, a reading from Matthew chapter 16, verses 21 through 28. Now let us attend to God's wisdom for us today. From that time on, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and undergo great suffering at the hands of the elders and the chief priest and the scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, God forbid it, Lord, this must never happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. For you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. Then Jesus told his disciples, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit them if they gain the whole world but forfeit their life? Or what will they give in return for their life? For the Son of Man is to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay everyone for what has been done. Truly, I tell you, there are some standing here today who will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. This ends this reading of this holy word. May it be good news to us, brothers and sisters in Christ. Please pray with me. Good and gracious God, we give you thanks for this day. We give you thanks for the opportunity to hear your word anew, that it might guide us in this challenging time, in this time of crisis. O oh, good and gracious God, I humbly pray that the words that I speak, and the meditations of the hearts and minds of those who encounter my words might live into your hope, a hope in the resurrection, a hope that never dies. I humbly ask this in your Son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen. I don't know about you, but recently there is this meme that has been going around Facebook where John Luke Picard is sitting at his captain's chair and there's a sign that says damage report on the bottom, which is what he says. And then on the top, 
there's a statement to the effect of, this is how I wake up every morning in 2020. The challenge of that meme is a challenge that is very real in our lives. In these days, in this season, in this year, we have had to confront a lot of bad news, and that is to put it lightly. We have the pandemic. We've had two hurricanes hit the southern shores of our nation. We have the fires in California. Not only that, but there is the problems we do to ourselves. This past week, we once again saw an ugly video of a police officer kill a black man. Once again, we saw the riots take place after that. Once again, we are left with the question, what do we do with this? It's hard to make sense of God's action in this moment. And yet, in some ways, as I was thinking about all of this, I was wondering about how we look at the world and how we face that reality. This past week, the Republican Party finished its final or finished their um, convention, which comes after the Democrats. And while the nature of their political platforms were very different and the people who spoke felt like they were on the opposite sides of some vast chasm of political discourse. At the core of both of their message was a common message. If you don't choose our side, the America that you know and love, the America that you've grown up in, will be gone and will be gone for good. And so we go to the scriptures and we have this text in Matthew. Now it's interesting when you read the text because if you had read the part of the text before this, you would have read the encounter where Jesus, and this is the way I would see it, is Jesus has a listening session with his disciples, asking them, well, who do they say I am? And who do you say I am? And of course, Peter says this profound line, you are the Messiah. 
You are the chosen one. You are the one who has come to redeem, redeem Israel. Then he promises to tell them to keep it quiet after saying, you know, it's not your wisdom, but it is the wisdom from God that you share with me today. So, and then in that story, he says this, on this confession, on Peter, we will build the rock of the church. And then a few verses later, we have Peter being said that he is Satan. This text is a very challenging one. It is a text of conflicting messages. There is this dark quality to this text that leads me to see that this is a text for our season. This scripture passage can be understood as a dark days ahead message, where Jesus talks about that in the upcoming days, it is not going to be good for me. I'm going to die and have to be resurrected. And that if you are to live into your calling as Disciples, you too are going to have to take up the cross. You too are going to have to follow me. And the way I would think about this is, is if Jesus was a presidential candidate, that he at his first staff meeting of his campaign would begin the, the, the um, uh, meeting by saying that you know, if we run this campaign and if we do what we have to do, I'm going to end up dead and you're going to end up in jail. That is not a message that would breed followers to come and listen to you. In this moment, Peter says, no, say it ain't so. Jesus, tell us that that is not what is about to happen. Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. You know, in some ways, there is not much good news in that line. And then he concludes this part of the lesson by saying, and yet, God's will will be restored. God's kingdom shall come again. The Son of Man shall come and right the wrong. And that some here will not taste death. But see this happen. Yet the resurrection in the resurrection, we have hope. And yet the gospel is proclaimed. 
You know, when I was a lot younger and I was in either college or high school, the church we were attending was a church in Toledo, Ohio. It was a, um, I would say a large Presbyterian church for that time, but not huge because of where we were. It was a tall steeple church, I would guess you'd say. And the pastor was moderately conservative. And I remember one day, he was a decent preacher for the most part, and his sermons were decent. But I remember one Sunday, I was not having that sermon. It was just rubbed me the wrong way, or something happened, and I was not very happy. And so on my way back in the car, with my parents, I was discussing how wrong I felt the pastor was and how I felt that the pastor had missed a message that should have been proclaimed. And how could he think about this? And I list, you know, my theses and they were far from 90. And in that moment, as the car came to the stop and my dad looked out at the red light, he said something to me, and yet the gospel was proclaimed. And yet the gospel was proclaimed. It's an interesting statement, isn't it? In spite of what we think we should hear, or in spite of what we think we might want to hear, or see, or do, God's will happens whether we like it or not. To affirm that deep confession that, and yet the gospel is proclaimed, is to affirm deeply that God is in control, not us. And even if the wrong guy gets elected, God can use him, in this case, to do God's will. Once we realize this, we understand that it's not about our side winning or our side taking control of the government or our side getting the upper hand. It is not about our identity, identity politics getting the better hand. It's not about our ideological beliefs as something that we think the majority of people hold. And it's not about even our policy prescriptions for what we think is wrong in society and how we think that we should change society. You know, there's an uncomfortable reality as much as I think voting matters and that, yes, every vote counts. And it is our responsibility as Christians to engage the political discourse as best we can, seeking God's will in the midst of that struggle. At the end of the day, we need to realize something that no matter who wins 
this great political struggle, we're going to be stuck with a broken country. We're going to be stuck where at least probably half of the people didn't vote for the president. For the U.S. to come out of this in a better place, we have to be willing to reconcile. Reconcile with God. We have to accept that the policies our politics have not allowed us to live into our beliefs in the best of ways, in a way that we can fully express the good news. And we have to go to God and ask for forgiveness, humbly before God, in the hope that God will see it through. Also, we have to be willing to forgive and reconcile with those who are across the aisle. We have to come together and recognize that, yes, while we have differences and we will always have differences, that, yes, maybe God might use the opponent's side to proclaim or state something that we might need to hear, that we might need to understand. That on the other side, God might also give them some viable solutions to the problem that we have. And so we should never just discount a set of beliefs because we just think they're wrong. Truly, I tell you, there are some standing here today who will not taste death before they see the Son of Man come in his kingdom. I wonder what it was like for the disciples to hear those words after being heard this very dark message. I wonder if that gave them any encouragement because it feels wrong. It feels like something doesn't match. That's a problem. That's a problem in the, that's the challenge of this text even. You know, this past week we heard the vice president use in his speech very problematic language where he substituted the word of Jesus for the flag. I'm concerned about that because there is this belief within the conservative movement and to a certain extent and maybe to a lesser extent maybe in the liberal movement that there's somehow this belief that God's kingdom is a part of the United States government. And that's not true. I don't believe that is what Christ is speaking about.
There are others who will look at the church or a particular church or a particular denomination and say, well, that's the right church and all the other churches are wrong. And because that is the kingdom of God. And likewise, while there are, I think, parts of our community and parts of the community at large where God can use the church as an organization to promote the kingdom, I think it's wrong to think that the church as a body, as an organization, is the place that God or where the kingdom exists. The earthly church is not God's kingdom. God's kingdom is where people come to seek a cre God's creative actions and sustaining and redeeming actions and the presence in their lives. And I think if we are to take hope in the resurrection, if we are to find courage in the midst of these struggles that we find ourselves today, we must be willing to reach out and include people in that endeavor to seek God's presence with us, in us, and beyond. For me, that goes to the very heart of what it means to be a disciple of Christ, to be a follower of Christ, to be a member of the kingdom. May it be so for us. May we come to realize in this time that God's presence is with us. Amen. 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 We hope today's sermon podcast was nourishment to your soul. If you'd like to know more about First Christian Church of St. Paul, please visit our website at FCC. St. Paul.org. That's F C C S A I N T P A U L.org. May God be with you in the coming week.